0: This is Hormoz Mogheri, and this is Amir Etamadzadeh. Welcome, welcome to, to Lean, Lean Leadership, Leadership Academy, Academy podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lean Leadership Academy. I am Amir, and I'm here with Mr Mogari. How are you, Mr Mogari?
1: I am doing well. Thank you very much.
0: Excellent. So we are talking still about the pillars of success, and today we're going to be focusing on money, something that a lot of people love, a lot of people hate, and a lot of people are not sure about. So Mr. Moghari, there are many different opinions about money in different cultures, in different societies. We here in America live in a capitalist society and there is a lot of focus on money. So what is your take on the different definitions that has been presented by many leaders, many scholars in the past and the definitions that people basically adopt for themselves?
1: Yes, today we're going to talk about the fourth pillar of success which is money. Money has been said in different cultures and religions as being the root of all evil. However, no scripture has said that exactly the same way. It has been said that love of money is the root of all evil. And I kind of agree with that. When you become the servant of money, uh, that's the time that evil will uh, rule. But money itself is a tool, like saying that a screwdriver is not good or knife is not good. Well, it has a right usage of these tools and instruments and the wrong usage. If you use it correctly, they are very helpful to improve your life. If you use them incorrectly, then they become the root of all evil. So depending upon how money is being used, that uh, makes it uh, either a good tool or the negative tool can you
0: think of some other proverbs or sayings that people basically usually say in the society which are not really useful in regards to money
1: well normally those people who don't have enough money they resent it and they say that they don't like to have a lot of money and they are not after money, they do it for other reasons and etc. And legendary Zig Ziglar used to say that he can understand those people. But if somebody says that he or she doesn't want enough money, uh, that doesn't doesn't want any money, chances are good that he or she will lie about other things, too. Uh, some people resent having a good life style Good house, good car, and partially because they don't have it. And it has, it goes back to your philosophy. What do you want to do with money? Money created as a result of generating value is all good. If you create value as a result, you get money for it. That is actually admirable.
0: Very correct. So, Mr. Borari, now what is the definition of value when it comes to? A subject like money
1: value is something that the customer is willing to pay for whatever that the customers are willing to pay for is called value and it is very important that uh, we get money or reward as a result of rendering value to the community or to the marketplace in general however Value orientation and being valuable to the marketplace has to be in a positive way and worthy cause. For instance, you can create something that some evil customers are willing to pay for. I wouldn't call that value and I wouldn't consider you value creator. It has to be positive and it has to be based on service orientation the late Mr. Jim Rohn, my late mentor, used to say that success is okay as long as is achieved at the service of others, not at the expense of others. So in other words, if you like to become successful by rendering value in a positive way and offering service to the community and to the marketplace, that success is rightfully yours. And there is nothing wrong with money or the value that you accumulate, the house that you buy, the charity that you give, the hospitals that you build and etc. The problem is that sometimes money is accumulated as a result of doing something negative for the community. And even though the community is willing to pay for it, a segment of community, uh, a negative or wrong segment of community is willing to pay for it, I wouldn't consider that a valuable act.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that also. And an example that comes to my mind is sweet snacks that some of these companies make for young children. They're colorful, they're beautiful, they're delicious, but they have a lot of sugar in them. And at the same time, there's a lot of also colors in them which are not good for, for the body, because the body has to digest them. So they're, they're being bought, but they're not really serving a service.
1: That, that, is, that is very true. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when you talk to them and ask them why they are in business or why they would like to go in business, their answer is kind of shallow and they say they go in business because of money and they want to be in business for themselves so they can make money. Of course, money will be a byproduct of something else. But if you say that you are in business for money, then you might as well sell drugs because there is a lot of money in there. Yeah. Of course, I don't have any firsthand experience myself, but I've been told that there is a lot of money in that business. That is not the value and that's not the service we are talking about. It has to be something that is at the service of others, not at the expense of others. Selling drugs or selling sugary snack is at the expense of others. Some other people get sick for you to get rich. That's and going, going, going to business is like breathing oxygen. Oxygen is necessary for life, but that is not the reason for living. So, in other words, if somebody asks you, why are you on this earth, and you say to consume oxygen, you see that will come and take you to a safe place, because that is not the right answer for it. So, you are not in business for money. Money is a byproduct of rendering service. Service. So when you give service, money will come, success will come.
0: So that would be the, the service orientation or having the service mentality. Always thinking about serving people and money, as you said, would be a byproduct. There's a very nice uh, saying by Zig Ziglar, and you actually mentioned his name. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but correct me if I'm wrong. He said, if you help enough people get what they want, you will have everything you want. Is that the sentence?
1: That's correct. That's correct. Um, he says that actually in one of his books, See You at the Top, I think he mentions it many times, uh, 30 times or, or so. And the, the main theme of the book is that, that you really have to serve others in order to get to the top of your life and your industry and everything else. And based on, based on that, I think he makes his point very clearly that if you help other people get what they want, uh, you will get what you want and of course he means something valuable. So
0: now we know that we don't have to go the route of selling drugs or doing something illegal to make a lot of money or at the cost of other people to make money. What is the best way that a normal person can actually think about how they can raise the amount of money that they make?
1: In a society like America, America is a free enterprise system, and they say America is a ladder to climb. So there is a financial ladder, and if you want to make more money and be more wealthy, you need to contribute more, and you have to climb the ladder. And if you need more money, become more valuable. Some people say, well, I have another idea, I want to make more money, but I will go on a strike. And many unions or organizations try this from time to time. There is a problem with that because you cannot get awfully rich as a result of going on strike. And Jim Rohn used to say that you cannot get rich by demand. You cannot get rich by demand. You can only get rich by rendering value. So a strike will give you a little bit more money, but not a huge difference. If you are making $17.25, you may be able to make $17.50 if you go on a strike. But there is no way that it would give you $35 an hour by going on strike. So you can never double your value. But you can easily double your value if you learn what exactly you need to do, what skills, what knowledge, what abilities you need to have. Another way is to push the legislation and government to raise the minimum wage. For example, if the minimum wage right now is $10 an hour, some people are pushing legislation to have it at $15 an hour. And again, Jim Rohn uh, presupposed that this is not smart because $15 is already on the ladder. All you have to do is to climb. You don't need the legislation to make it $15. $15 is already there. Now, if somebody says, no, it has to be $15 because $10 is not enough. $15 could be or should be the minimum wage if you want to stay there for the rest of your life, because $10 is not enough for you to pay for your expenditure. But if this is not a bid, it's a ladder So you have to climb. As long as you climb, you really don't care what the government says as far as the minimum wage, because $15 or $20 is already on the ladder. The other option is that I will wait for somebody to give me a raise. And that is another way you can do that. Normally they give you three to 5% annually If the economy is good, maybe a little bit more. If the economy is bad, maybe nothing. But that is not a good way to add to your value. All we have to think about is value. How do I become more valuable to my community, to the marketplace? And then money would be the byproduct. So we have $12 on the ladder, $15, $20. Is it possible to make $200 an hour? The answer is yes, if you become Valuable as much as $200 will pay. There are attorneys that are making $500. Is it possible to make $5,000 an hour? Yes, there are speakers who make $5,000 an hour, and etc. So there is no limit if you decide to climb on this ladder. Everything is available to you if you become more valuable to the marketplace. And
0: that's beautiful because not even we become better people in order to make more money, but we are serving more people and we're making more money. So it's basically a win-win for everybody. That's excellent philosophy. Thank you for sharing that with us.
1: Sure. And and yeah, becoming more valuable, nobody can steal it from you. Once you learn how to become more valuable and render more service, that is yours to keep forever.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. And if you lose that job, if you move your country even, you still have the values with you, you can get a better job or a different job or a different job in a, c- a different country. Excellent. So, Mr. Magari, uh with uh, the respect to self-esteem, which we talked about last couple of sessions, and the, the feeling that I be- uh, deserve something, a feeling of deserving, basically, how does that relate to money? How would my self-esteem affect the amount of money that I make?
1: To have self-esteem is to know your personal worth what is your worth and over here we're only talking about financial worth because we're talking about money but there are different worth for uh as as a person as a citizen as an uncle as a father as a mother and etc but over here we are emphasizing on uh, the financial worth you have to know what your worth is And your worth is not that you are working hard because everybody is expected to work hard. Work is supposed to be hard. Work is supposed to be creating value. So that is not your worth that makes you equal with everybody else. But knowing your worth, meaning that how much value you are creating for the organization, or for the community or the marketplace, then you will have confidence in your skills and abilities and there is a ksao pyramid knowledge skill ability and other attributes that once you know what your worth is you regularly improve upon your knowledge and then implementation of that knowledge which is called skill and perfecting that skill which is called ability and having other soft skills that you are approachable, likable, and accessible, which is called other attributes, then you will have confidence in your skills. And you have to have an objective evaluation of your own worth. Otherwise, if I want to evaluate myself subjectively, I know I'm one of the best in my own perception, but the objective evaluation is what marketplace thinks about me. So, for instance, Amir, if I'm making $10 an hour and you are making $20 an hour, this is a good indication that according to the marketplace, you are twice as valuable as I am. Now, I may be a better person, better father, better husband, better citizen, all those things, fine. But as far as the money and marketplace, which is called the reality, you are more valuable than I am, twice as more valuable than I am. And that is objective evaluation of my own worth. And we need to listen to that because marketplace does not discriminate.
0: Mr. Mauri, thanks so much. So in regards to the amount that the marketplace values, a service that we're providing, it has al- always come up that some jobs, like for example, teachers are not getting paid enough or it has come up for other jobs also. And that's why maybe people go on strikes because they think they're not getting paid enough. So what is your take on that? Why, why would teachers not get paid enough?
1: It's interesting you're asking this question because last night when I was doing executive coaching with uh, a few clients. One of my clients who is an educator from Texas, and she's very sophisticated and mature lady when it comes to education, she mentioned the role of teachers in different arenas. And based on that, I raised the question that if teachers are not being paid enough is because teachers don't see themselves in that light. In other words, she said that if we can improve education, so students can pass the standardized tests with a better score and the schools can have 25% more success in having students passing the test. And then students will get better jobs and will, will contribute to the economy and then more funding will come to the state and to the district that has better schools. And then as a result, everybody will know the financial impact of good teachers. And that is something that is missing in the area of education. Today in academia, we are not talking much about the finance, the positive financial impact that the university professors or teachers can, can make. When we are talking about famous universities like Harvard or Stanford or MIT, we are thinking about buildings. We forget that there are professors that make Harvard or Stanford or MIT, those schools. There are Berkeley professors who make Berkeley famous. The same thing goes for high schools and elementary schools. However, if we cannot compare it against the value That these teachers bring to the community in terms of financial uh, rewards, then of course we say that this is what the funding we have and this is what we will have to pay to our teachers. Teachers are worth a lot more if somebody like this client of mine, who is an educator, can prove with numbers and dollars that teachers are bringing more value to the marketplace.
0: Thank you, which sounds like a very difficult thing to do. So Mr. Roy, for the last question of this session, uh, let's talk about the different types of self-esteem that that are related to money.
1: I believe that there are three major different types of self-esteem. I'm sure that psychologists have different categories and more scientific divisions or uh, classifications for, for self-esteem but the number one type of self-esteem is inflated self-esteem inflated simply means that you think you are a lot better than what you actually are and that it is not healthy and actually you may win all arguments but lose all your friends if you have an inflated self-esteem it is okay to like yourself or love yourself but thinking that you are a lot more important or more valuable than you actually are is not healthy. You have to know your worth, your true objective worth. Number two is low self-esteem, thinking that you are not anybody important in particular and there isn't much you can contribute to the economy or to the marketplace or to the value system. And that is not healthy either to think that you are less than what you actually are. And the number three is a high self esteem, high self self esteem simply means that you have your you know, you're valuable, and you know, your worth, and you are regularly and continuously, and constantly trying to improve yourself, which is the Kaizen principle Kaizen simply means on a regular basis, you try to incrementally improve yourself in all aspects. So if you exercise kaizen in self-esteem area you regularly become more valuable as a result you know your worth better and better and you can contribute to the community and to the marketplace more
0: thank you so much so i hope that our listeners took a lot of lessons from the talk today to be more service oriented and help the society grow and by that create more value for them for themselves and for the people who get their services Mr. Murray, I wanted to thank you for taking the time for this podcast and is there any last words
1: the only last word that I like to mention is the difference between humility and humiliation humility is serving others with value while humiliation is tearing yourself down in the process of course the second one is not preferred and you need to have the humility to serve others with value but never tear yourself down in the process to think that you have no value to offer
0: excellent thank you so much for that closer if our listeners have any questions they can go to llausa.org and click on contact and send us any questions or any comments that they have thank you so much mr mori until our next podcast i hope everybody stays well
1: Thank you very much. My pleasure.
0: This was a production of Lean Leadership Academy. For more information, please visit LLAUSA.org. Thank you.